All right, y'all. For the next four weeks, we are going to be talking about sex in lots of different ways with different guests from different angles. Everything in these interviews is Christ-centered because, spoiler alert, God created sex. But some of it may not necessarily be appropriate for young children, unless you're ready to field those questions. Some of the things we talk about are uncomfortable, of course, but all of my guests did such an incredible job of sharing honestly and openly and vulnerably, and I am so proud and so honored and so excited to step into this space and talk about it through a Christian lens, which... I don't think it's done enough. So I'm so pumped to bring you the Let's Talk About Sex series from Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Come on. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about... All right, guys. Welcome back to the fourth and final installation of Let's Talk About Sex. Four weeks of talking about married sex, sexual pasts, all within the sphere of Christianity, trying to do it justice, trying to have a conversation that maybe the church shies away from. Uh, we have had incredible guests, uh, Lexi Bozarth, Kirsten Kelly, Daniel Fick, all sharing their stories, sharing their experiences and the things that God has taught them and brought them out of, and it has been such an honor and such a joy to uh, carry these conversations. So this last week, to kind of close it out and cap it off, it's just me. It's this month's solo episode, and it's basically a question and answer format. So earlier this week, I opened up on my stories and was like, look, if you have questions about sex that we haven't talked about, submit your questions. I am not a sexpert, which is my new favorite word, but I am not a sex expert. I am not, uh, I'm not educated in the psychology of sex. I've learned a lot over the last year or so, and especially over the last four weeks, but I am not an expert. But what I am is honest and open and willing to facilitate these conversations, so I I am going to do my best to do these questions justice, but I need you to understand, as I've said, that I am not an expert. So there are some things, there are some questions that were submitted that I don't necessarily feel comfortable answering. And if that was your question, I'm so sorry <laughs> that, it, that it didn't get answered, but I would, I would advise you to seek out some counsel. Uh, start having these conversations with maybe some older women in your church that you're comfortable with or friends even. You would be surprised the things that your friends that are on the same level as you have experienced and are, are comfortable talking about if we can just start having the conversation. And really more than anything else, that's been the hope and the prayer of the last three weeks and of this week is to facilitate a conversation we have to start ta talking about the sexual aspects of our lives because if we don't, they're going to continue to fester shame. They're going to continue to feel weird. We're going to continue to struggle in our marriages. The sooner we start sitting down and having real, honest conversations with our friends, with our mentors, with the people that we're doing life with, the more the enemy loses his power over these part of our lives I think that a lot of the time women struggle to have these conversations because they feel like it should be sacred. And 
I need you to understand that sacred doesn't mean secret. So, are there things that it's probably inappropriate to share with your friends? Yes, 100%. But I believe in you and in the Holy Spirit in you to discern those things. So, having a conversation with a trusted, trusted friend about the struggles, the sexual struggles in your marriage, it's not betraying the marriage bed. It's it's trying to do something to better it. It's pulling it into the light, pulling, if yours is a past struggle or a current struggle, pulling it into the light and saying, hey, this is where I'm at. Like, if nothing else, I want you to know where I'm at and be able to pray with me. But you don't know, you don't know what their past is that they could have walked through the same exact thing and be able to speak truth and life and wisdom into it. So, I did want to touch on that before we got into the the question and answer part of it that uh, I think that a lot of Christian women don't have this conversation because they think it's inappropriate. And I think that that's, I think it's a lie that the enemy is using against us to keep us all quiet and not having a conversation. So trust yourself, trust the Holy Spirit and Christ in you to discern what's appropriate and what's inappropriate to share with your people. And then start facilitating these conversations. Listening to a podcast and finding solidarity there is great and it's important. And I'm thankful to be able to to do it and share that with you. But it is never going to replace real life conversations. So I just challenge you to start having this conversation. Be the one that steps up in boldness and is like, hey guys, this is going to be awkward, but can we can we talk about sex real quick? Be the one that, that facilitates the conversation to make sure that it stays appropriate, that it doesn't turn into a husband bashing session. You know, I, I just, I believe in us as women that we are capable of this conversation. So, I will step off of my soapbox and put on my uh, question answering hat. And uh, one of the one of the first ones that I got, and one of the ones that I I get a lot, and we covered this in a previous uh, episode. I think the first episode with Lexi, but I'm gonna, I'm going to talk it, about it again. Is is a question of frequency? You get a lot of of, of questions of. What's the frequency of sex? Should it be two times a week or should it be more passionate quality sex clusters? And I want to know how many times a week is normal for a married couple in their late 40s. Um, I'm not going to speak into how many times you should be having sex because here's the deal. Every couple is different. And I know that that's so annoying to hear, but this is where communication becomes so important. And I think we've covered it pretty well throughout the last few episodes that communication in your sexuality is so vital. But this question of frequency comes up so much. And I think a lot of couples are are having this inner dialogue on their own of the women are like, are we having sex enough? Uh, Am I keeping him happy? Am I meeting a status quo? And then the men in their heads are like, am I getting it enough? Should she be giving it up more or or vice versa? I've talked pretty openly about the fact that I tend to be the more sexually driven one in in my marriage. You have to communicate about this, guys. If that should be where you start, that should be where the open communication about sex in your marriage begins is, hey, how often do you want to have sex? Hey, how often do you want to have sex? And then you learn how to compromise one person may be like, you know, I feel like four times a week is healthy. And the other person may say, you know what, one to two times a week would keep me happy. Okay, 
Let's, let's start having a conversation about it. How do we meet each other in the middle? Do we have sex more often when I'm ovulating? So my sex drive is higher because the science of this is incredibly important as well, which we've also talked about, that for most women, not all, when you're ovulating, your sex drive is higher. So do we take advantage of that? Uh, Some couples put into place like a sign, you light a candle, and that means that like you're in the mood. Some people get real clinical and schedule about it and say like, okay, like I initiate Monday through Wednesday, you initiate Thursday through Saturday and let the cards fall as they may. I think that a lot of people get this idea in their head and I am guilty of this, that like married sex should always be this like hyper passionate in the moment clear off the kitchen table and do it there thing and like that's just not real life romantic comedies have done us a disservice uh they have sold us a lie about sex and we got to get that out of our heads I I personally like I don't watch romantic comedies because it makes me feel inadequate it makes me feel like my marriage and my relationship is inadequate because it's a lie it's a fabrication so if you need to schedule it if you need to have a conversation that's like hey you feel like doing it tonight yeah I'm totally down then like do that because this mystery hoping that you can read one another's minds like it's not working. So my answer to like how many times a week is communicate like communicate with your partner and figure out a middle ground between your two drives and pray over your sex drive your sex drive and your sex life and learn how to serve one another in that area. Um, And then also just stop feeling like there has to be an expectation on it. Stop feeling like it needs to be something that's measured and let your body flow the way that it needs to and serve your partner. So the next question that I got a couple of times was help on guiding the younger generation through realizing that their worth doesn't rely on the opposite sex. And the reason that I try to keep this question gender neutral is I think that we're having this conversation with women a lot and we're forgetting the guys. We're forgetting to talk to college and high school aged guys and remind them that, hey, like your body matters too. I'm sorry that the world has sold you this lie that it doesn't and that you have no worth just it's just wrapped up differently than it is for women and and that your sexuality isn't sacred and worth protecting so I love that we're my you know the generation ahead is trying to look back and have these conversations my answer would be honesty the the outpour of response that I got when I opened up about my sexual past and the guilt and the wounds that I carried was this overwhelming response of, oh my gosh, I wish someone would have been sharing their story with me when I was going through this. And I feel the same way. I wish that there would have been an older girl that was walking in life with me going, hey, I just, I just wanted to check in. Like, how are you feeling about yourself? And how are you, how are you feeling about like protecting your purity and that's a, a whole different conversation is trying to dismantle purity culture and that this idea that you're only pure if you if you keep yourself self pure sexually, which is a lie. You you were made pure on the cross and purity doesn't have qualifiers, but 
my my tip would be honesty. If if you don't have a sexual history, then then share about the struggles that you did have because I guarantee that at some point you you wanted to do something that you knew wasn't good for you. Share about being on the other side of those that those struggling years and that you don't carry a ton of sexual baggage and that that's how God intended it and that's a gift to you. If you do have a sexual past, if you do have sexual struggles, man, get honest. Tell them about coming home from the bar with a guy and hooking up and how crappy you felt the next day. And that in the moment that it feels great because your body was created for this and that you were God gave us a sex drive on purpose and he created sex, but he didn't create it for outside of a covenant. Share about waking up and being like, oh God, I feel gross and I feel like I hadn't made this choice. I think honesty is the only answer. I think that if we stop trying to hide our sexual past and act like it doesn't exist... If we, if we take back ownership of our story and we share it with the generations that are coming behind us, it's going to undo this power that Satan has over our sexuality. I think it's the only way that things are going to change is if we get honest and we get deep and we get vulnerable and we get into the ugly and, and the less flattering light. You got to step into it. Step into the less flattering light and say, when I was 20... I had a long-term boyfriend that I hooked up with all the time and now I'm 30 and I've been married for seven years and I still carry sexual baggage that I'm trying to unpack between God and I. Look them in the eyes and say you're worth more than that. Educate them on the fact that like we were just talking about there are gonna be times of the month that your sex drive goes into overdrive. There's nothing wrong with you. You were created this way. It is good and it is holy, but it requires self-control and awareness and a renewing of your mind to wade through that struggle and get to the other side, holding on to what God intended for you to give to one person. I got a lot of questions about um, encouraging our the younger, younger generation, our littles, uh, encouraging them and raising them to keep their hearts pure and their their bodies pure and like I said I have a little bit of an issue with the with the purity culture and that word but I know what you mean um I think that so this specific question I got a couple of times about little boys encouraging them to keep their hearts pure as they grow older and I think it's kind of what we were just talking about of like we're forgetting to raise our sons in a way that teaches them to value their bodies. Now, I don't have sons, so I can't speak into it personally, but I have had this conversation with friends that there's so much geared towards little girls that you, you know, you save yourself and you don't, you know, just give it up to the the next guy that you end up in his backseat. But like, what about that guy? Like, what about him? They, their hormones are raging and they don't know what to do with it because we're not talking about it. So men, fathers, I think this is where you have to step up and and not in this step up and like teach them just like to, you know, boys will be boys, but like teach them that like God created them this way and that their, their sex drive is, is good and God given, but 
that they were also created to value others? What if we teach the next generation, the generation that we're raising to put others before themselves and treat the girls that they're going to end up dating or being around when they're 14, 15, 16, 17, like they're somebody else's wife. And we do the same for our girls. We teach them to look at these guys like they're somebody else's husband. Because I think that that would radically change high school relationships if we can be the ones teaching them that like, yeah, you might marry your high school sweetheart. I have an abnormal number of friends who married the people they were dating in high school. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I'm saying you can still treat them like they're someone else's. It's, it's a, that's the first line of defense in teaching them to not only put someone else before themselves, but to, to maintain their sexuality and save that for marriage. I think that, you know, you, you look at like the youth groups. I don't know if anybody else grew up in the youth group where like the question how far is too far was asked fairly often. And I think a lot of the time the answer was like, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Which it's not to discount the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is incredible and, and the largest gift that God gave us. But man, when your hormones are raging like that, like sometimes it's hard to get out of your own way. But if your parents have raised you telling you that girl is going to be someone else's husband and the best thing you can do is leave as few sexual, emotional, physical, mental, spiritual wounds and scars as possible. I mean, I think that would change everything. I look back at my past relationships and if those guys had been treated, treating me like I was Jeremy Guichet's wife and I had been treating them like they were someone else's husband... It, our, none of my relationships would have looked the same. And I can tell you that now I, I wouldn't have had to unpack the baggage that I have. So for our girls, like that is our intention is to raise them when they go to prom, when they go to a dance, when they go to high school, when they start liking a boy, trying to like beat it into them. Like this guy could be someone else's husband. And I encourage you to respect him and talk to him. Break up with him like he is someone else's so that you do as little damage as possible. And then the last question that I wanted to address here on the podcast is body image and, and your sex life. Okay, so if you've been around for any amount of time, you know that I have struggled hugely with body image. Uh, it's a daily battle that right now I'm in a season of victory over. Thank you, Lord. Um, but I get it. I get when your husband scoots over on your side of the bed and starts being sweet and you're laying there feeling like a beached whale and you don't, you don't want to hop on top. (laughs) You don't want to have him see you the way that you see yourself. Uh, my answer to that is two parts. One, they never see us the way we see ourselves. I promise you. And if you don't believe me, Ask your husband. Ask your husband if he thinks you look the way you think you look. And I can almost guarantee it's going to be a resounding no because we are our biggest critics and we are so mean to ourselves. And the second part of the answer would be like, I think that that's that's where your work needs to start. It needs to start with looking at yourself in the mirror and recognizing that you're beautiful. Not to be cheesy, but it's true. If you're a mom and you're struggling, I personally have that real lovely C-section pooch. 
my body carried two human beings and one of them had to be surgically removed. So no, my stomach's not perfectly flat, but I'm beautiful and I'm sexy and I'm desirable. And, and repeating those affirmations and doing the legwork over the last few months to kind of undo what diet culture has taught me, that I don't have to lose weight to be beautiful, that I don't have to lose weight to be sexy. I think that like we need to reclaim this word. Sexy is a good thing. I want to be sexy. I am sexy. It's not a shameful thing because I share that sexy with my husband and he loves it. <laughs> so I think that I would encourage you to to start really digging in on, on your body image issues and not necessarily related to your sex life. Do that work. When I started working on the way that I look at myself, the way that I talk to myself, genuinely my intention was not to better my sex life. It was, I've got to undo this because I can't live like this. And then one of these like really fun side benefits was I felt more confident. And so our sex life got better. So like I said, I mean, I would start there. I would start, you can go back. I have a podcast episode. It's called For When You Have a Body. It's Rebecca Biggie is incredible. And she shares all about her journey and, and undoing what diet culture has taught her. Um, I've talked about it a fair amount on my Instagram. But again, find a friend and talk to them about it. Um, stop measuring your worth by how much weight you've lost or how well you've eaten and start realizing that like all of that was undone on the cross. So I would start there. I would start looking in the mirror and affirming yourself and reminding yourself that you're beautiful and not with the intention of your sex life getting better. Let that be just a natural runoff. So um, this has been so much fun and I have no doubt that here on the Krabby Christian Podcast we will talk about sex again. <laughs> um, but y'all really seemed to love the the serial nature of these last few episodes. So I think we're probably going to do a couple more series this year. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to, to listen and to message and to be involved and, and submit your questions. And I hope that it has been fruitful. I, I hope that you're having better sex. <laughs> I hope that your husband's a really big fan of the crappy Christian podcast now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you can find the show notes and more information about the show at confessionsofacrappychristian.com. I'll see y'all next week. Start a rewarding new career right away. Giant Eagle has immediate openings for supermarket positions, including curbside roles, get-go positions, pharmacy technicians, and warehouse workers. To find your new job and get hired in as little as one day, visit jobs.gianteagle.com.